I'm John Carter in Moscow, in Havana, Cuba. Now in Kiev, the capital of Ukraine. I'm John Carter in Petra, right here in communist China, reporting from India. Hi, I'm John Carter in the Solomon Islands. I'm John Carter in Soweto, from El Salvador. I'm John Carter in Sydney, Australia. Today, an in-depth study of Constantine and the Mark of the Beast. What a week we've had with all these fires in Southern California. Just up the road from us, the Ronald Reagan Presidential Library snatched from the fire. Amazing, tremendous pilots, tremendous firefighters. I think the very, very best you'll find anywhere in the world. So we've been delivered from the fire, and today I want to talk to you about another fire that is coming very, very soon. This program today is dedicated to the truth. We're not talking about politicians or politics here today. We leave our politics at the door when we come to this studio. But we are talking about the truth because Jesus said you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. And the greatest need in the world, the greatest need in America today is for truth because most people don't have the truth. The topic is Constantine and the Mark of the Beast. What on earth is this about Constantine and the Mark of the Beast? Or when Constantine rides again, because mark my word, Constantine is going to rise again. He's going to ride again. I think I told you this story a little while ago. Because it's such a great story, I'm going to tell it again. I was watching Pawn Stars, P-A-W-N, Pawn Stars. And an old guy came in and he said to, to Rick, he said, you know, uh, I've got Abraham Lincoln's chair. Wow. I've got a, so they, they checked out the chair. They did all sorts of tests on the chair. And uh, <laughs> it wasn't Abraham Lincoln's chair. You know what the old guy said? He said, well, here, we all believe what we want to believe. And I happen to believe that this is Abraham Lincoln's chair. <laughs> you say, it's crazy. If, if that's crazy, then there's got to be a lot of crazy people. Because I want to say this to you, and let this sink down into your mind. It doesn't matter what you and I think about what is truth. That doesn't matter. Because you and I can be wrong. Truth is truth is truth. And what we must discover today through struggle and conflict in our minds, and a dedication to God, we must discover what is truth. Because truth is mighty and will prevail with us or without us. So we're going to talk today about Constantine uh, and uh, the mark of the beast. There's a fire coming. I want you to take your Bibles and come over here to John 18, verses 33 to 36. If you're living here in the United States of America as I am, this is one of the most important talks you're ever going to hear because most of the preachers, it seems to me, 
And most other politicians, it seems to me, haven't got a clue concerning what's going to happen. Uh, what did I say? John 18 and verse 33 and onwards. Then Pilate entered the praetorium again, called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Look at this in your Bibles, please, because I'm sure most of you have never read it. Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Are you speaking this for yourself uh, about this, or did others tell this uh, you this concerning me? Pilate answered and said, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? Jesus answered and said, My kingdom is not of this world. Then I asked the question, Why is it that so many preachers think that the kingdom of God is of this world? My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, uh, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. Yet there are millions of my fellow Americans who believe that the kingdom of God is of this world. And they're going to bring about the mark of the beast. Now, what is a theocracy? The word for God is the, uh, and we're talking about the Greek word, is theos. Theos for God. Theocracy, a government that is led by God. A government where God is the official head and enforces God's laws. Millions of people now and Huge numbers of preachers say we want the government of the United States of America to be in charge of the laws and to make this a Christian country. They've come to me. I've heard it on television. A theocracy. Example, the Old Testament with Moses. The religious laws were the laws of the state of Israel. If you broke the Sabbath, you were put to death by stoning. If we had a theocracy, we'd be stoning lots and lots of people. Even though lots and lots of people are already stoned. <laughs> now, you've all heard about ISIS. When you talk about ISIS, your blood almost runs cold. You know what ISIS is? It's a theocracy where the Quran is the state law. It's an extreme theocracy but it is a theocracy. Talk about Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia, one of the great, great allies of the United States of America because they've got the good oil, I imagine. It's an Islamic state. Most Americans are not aware of this. Maybe you're not. It's an Islamic state where Christians and Jews are not allowed Oh, no, you say, no, 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 that's, yes, 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 yes. Christians and Jews are not allowed in Saudi Arabia. There are no churches. Oh, no, God, no. There are no churches, no synagogues, but plenty of mosques. And no Bibles, no Bibles allowed in Saudi Arabia. Their main religion is the religion of Wahhabi. Wahhabi was a person who believed uh, 
in the concept of a theocracy. Osama bin Laden was a fervent disciple of Wahhabi. Never heard of him? Better go Google it. The Saudis have spent in the last few years, don't get mad with me because I'm telling you the truth. The Saudis in the last few years have spent 100 million, no, 100 billion dollars exporting Wahhabism to the world. And this is the basis of terrorism, a theocracy. Iran uh, is a more moderate Islamic state where Christians and Jews are tolerated. I have been there. But it is a theocracy where the Quran is the law of the state. A theocracy is a nation where church, mosque, or synagogue are joined together. Many today in America think it would be good if we were a theocracy, a Christian theocracy, because they've told me so. I've heard it on television. But more about this later. And let's talk about Constantine. Who was Constantine? Well, he was a Roman emperor who became a, quote, Christian and who set up a Christian theocracy. He could not have been such a wonderful Christian because he delayed his baptism until almost the day of his death so he could do all sorts of bad things and thought that baptism would wash away your sins. Baptism doesn't wash away your sins. The blood of Jesus does. You see? Baptism is the sign of it. Constantine lived around 300 AD and made Christianity the official religion of the Roman Empire. It became a Christian theocracy, like a lot of people in America want to have today. He was preceded by Diocletian and Galerius, who fiercely persecuted Christians. Christians were compelled to sacrifice to the pagan gods. Christians were crucified, burned alive, thrown to wild beasts. You ought to watch the movie on Netflix. I think it's Netflix. On St. Paul. In one of the scenes from the movie on Paul, you see a little group of Christians, little boys and girls, holding hands. Old men and old women, young couples, marching, marching bravely out into the arena where they are met by the lions. When we meet these people by the grace of God, we might be ashamed to go up and greet them because we live in a time of superficial, weak Christianity. People don't go to church because they can't get out of bed. Goodness me. Now the Roman Empire in Daniel 7 and verse 7, which we're not going to go into, was predicted. We who understand the prophecies know that Rome was predicted. It is the Roman beast of the Caesars. Constantine, now here is the point, believes that he had a vision of Christ and his cross. Or words to that effect. There is some dispute over the actual event. But he believes he had a vision. And the words were spoken, the cross, by this sign conquer. And he became uh, a great supporter of the persecuted church. He became their champion. He made Christianity the official religion 
of the empire. And what do you think the Christians did? Praise God, hallelujah. We have been delivered and whatever Constantine does, we will support him. But he was a type of antichrist. And as one great historian said, the church not only conquered Rome, but Rome conquered the church. As you will see. Turn with me to 2 Thessalonians 2, 3 and 4. Read it in the Bible. Turn to the text. You just may discover something you didn't know before. 2 Thessalonians 2 and verses 3 and 4. Let no one deceive you by any means. For that day of the Lord's return will not come unless the falling away comes first. A falling away from the truth. And the man of sin is revealed, the man, son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God. He sits in the church, showing himself that he is God. Therefore, the Bible prophecies, teach, uh, prophecies taught that the Antichrist would be uh, a person inside the church. Wow, you say, where did you get that from? From the reading of Scripture and from this text. Now, some interesting things happened. The title of Caesar was Pontifex Maximus. Kindly notice it on the screen. Caesar Divinity, Augustus, Pontifex Maximus, can you please put that down into your mind? The title of the Antichrist, the Caesar of pagan Rome, was Pontifex Maximus. Have you ever heard of it before? Pontifex Maximus means the chief priest. Remember what Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. But later on, when a Christian theocracy was set up, they had a, a new spiritual emperor and his name was Pontifex Maximus. And there you can see in St. Peter's Cathedral the words Gregory uh, Pontifex Maximus over here, Sixtus, Pope Sixtus, Pontifex Maximus. The chief priest, the great bridge to the kingdom of God, the savior of the world, passed from being the Caesar to the Pope of Rome. You say, no, no, I can't believe. My friend, this is not religion we're talking about today. We're not talking religion. We're not talking politics. This is truth. This is history. The Pope became the new Caesar of the new Roman Empire and that is why we call him today many affectionately the Pontiff, the Holy Pontiff, Pontifex Maximus. Now, a flood of pagan teachings entered the church. In AD 321, Constantine passed the first Sunday law forbidding work on the venerable day of the sun. You see, all the pagans kept 
Sunday because they were sun worshippers. Did you know this? That is why it is called Sunday. And Constantine passed the first Sunday law. He said, on the venerable day of the sun, let the magistrates and people residing in cities rest and let all the workshops be closed on the venerable day of the sun. Now the Bible says, my dear friends, there would come a falling away from the truth before Jesus came. There would be a falling away from the truth and the church would be invaded with pagan teachings in the name of Jesus. Let me mention some of them to you. Pontifex Maximus, that of course is just the supreme example. Pontifex Maximus. And then images came into the church. The pagan Romans had a marvelous building that I've been in many times that I love, the Pantheon, the temple to all the gods. And the Christians simply took the Roman gods and they christened them as Christians, as saints. Don't say this is so-and-so. Say say this is St. Peter. Images invaded the church. And then an amazing teaching was invented, which we call today the Mass. The power of the priest was so great that he could say the words, this is my body. And through the power of the doctrine of transubstantiation, the bread and the wine were turned into the actual body and the blood of Christ. When the Bible is a book of symbols, I am the door, said Jesus. I am the sheep. Nobody ever thought he was a sheep. But people took this text and they took it literally and it gave tremendous authority to the priest. Pontifex Maximus. And then there came relics into the church. The church was flooded with relics. The bone of this saint, the toenail of that saint, the head of this saint. I do not say this to get a laugh, but on one occasion, one man was going through one of the buildings in old Europe owned by the church, and they had there in a display case two heads. The heads of St. Peter. The heads. Why are you looking at me like that for? The heads, and, and the tourist said, how come you got two heads for St. Peter? The guide said, well, the small head was when he was a boy, and the big head was when he grew up. And so the church became filled with relics, and if you venerated those relics, you would be saved or delivered from the fires of purgatory, and there is no such place, of course. Infant baptism came into the church because the priest had the capacity to confer divine grace upon uh, the baby. The worship of the mother of God. Can you think of it? The mother of God. How can God have a mother when God has got no beginning? But Mary was called the mother of God. Do people not realize that Jesus had two natures? He was fully God, but he was fully man. 
And Mary was the mother of that part of him that was fully man. But Mary is not the mother of God because God is eternal and doesn't have a mother. Then into the church, in this great falling away from the truth, came the doctrine of eternal torment and purgatory. Because the church did not understand the gospel of salvation through Christ alone, they recognized the truth that nobody is good enough to go to heaven At the point of his death, nobody is good enough to go to heaven and therefore because people are not good enough to go to heaven, they must be placed in a a fire of torment to remove all of the sin. And after they have burnt for a billion or two years, then the soul is good enough to stand in the presence of God. And of course, it was good for fundraising. Who would stop going to church? Who would stop confessing his sins if he thought he was going to go to purgatory, which was temporary? Or in reality, he would go to hell and he'd burn for trillions and trillions and trillions of years. No wonder people hated God and became atheists and communists. Salvation by good works of grace. With the Holy Spirit in you, you could become good enough. Sunday keeping. Sabbath was shoved aside and in the days of Constantine, they put in the day of the sun. What I am battling against today and what truth is battling against today is an almost overwhelming sea of ignorance. My friend, do not be afraid of the truth. Be afraid of prejudice. Then there was the confessional. Does the church need a priest today? I asked that question. Does the church need a priest today? My answer is absolutely. The church needs a priest and the church has a priest. Jesus Christ, our high priest. But the people were taught to go to a man, certainly not to a woman, (laughs) but to go to a man and open up the secrets of the heart. No wonder the village priest had tremendous power over his congregation because he knew every thought they were thinking. It was about power, control, and money, falling away from the truth. And then, of course, the idea that Peter was the first pope. Now, that's not taught in the Bible. That is simply a fantasy. My friends will come and say, no, our church teaches it. Therefore, we believe it, my friend. Please, please. People have said to me, we have been warned against people like you who would come and take away our faith. I'm not here to take away your faith. I'm here to give you faith in God, faith in the Bible, faith in Jesus. You see, let me read you a statement from this scholar, J.C. Woodhouse in his book, The Apocalypse, page 146. As the stream of Christianity flowed farther from its fountain, it became more and more corrupt. And as the centuries advanced, superstition advanced with them and tales of purgatory and pious frauds and the worship of saints, relics 
and images took the place of pure and simple Christianity till at length the book of God being laid aside for legendary tales and uh, the traditions of men. All these corruptions were collected into a regular system of uh, superstition uh, and uh, oppression. Now, this started in the days of Constantine. The Christians had been terribly persecuted. And then it appeared to the Christians that God had raised up almost a new Messiah. No, he was not a good man, but that didn't matter. How he acted, that didn't matter. What mattered? He was on the side of the Christians. And the Christians, turning their backs on the word of God, were swept up in the flood of deception, swept down the river. And they said, praise God, hallelujah. We have a theocracy. At last, we have a theocracy. And this theocracy is the very kingdom of God. But the Bible prophet called it something else. The Bible prophet called it the heart and the essence and the soul are of Antichrist. And the truth is, Constantine will ride again in your day and in my day. Soon we're going to talk about the woman riding on the beast. That's in the next part of this talk. Stay with us. We'll be back for the second part of our program Constantine and the Mark of the Beast. Hello, friend. I'm John Carter. Behind me is the great city of Manila, the capital of the Philippines. Did you know this is quite amazing? There are more people living in this area than in New York City, and Christ died for these people. We came here, oh, a long time ago, back in 1984. What's that, 34, 35 years ago? And we came here with a team of young people, and we came to the PICC. It is our intent to come here, hire the biggest hall that's available, the greatest outdoor stadium, whatever it takes, You've got more than 20 million souls out here. And I say it again, these are people for whom Christ died. I'm asking you to pray for the people of the Philippines. Please pray for the people here in Metro Manila. And please write to me, John Carter, Post Office Box 1900, Thousand Oaks, California, 91358. In Australia, write to me at Terrigal at the address that is now showing on the screen. We're back in Manila, and we're back with a message from God. That message is, Christ died for you, and Christ is coming 
again soon. Please support us. Write to me today, Post Office Box 1900,000 Oaks, California, and also write to me at Terrigal in Australia. Thank you for your support, and God bless you. For a copy of today's program, please contact us at P.O. Box 1900, Thousand Oaks, California, 91358. Or in Australia, contact us at P.O. Box 861, Terrigal, New South Wales, 2260. This program is made possible through the generous support of viewers like you. We thank you for your continued support. May God richly bless you.